0: Happy August. We ain't scared of no hurricane, right? I guess it's a tropical, what is it, a tropical depression? Hurricanes are depressing, exactly. Um, So many of you, believe it or not, there are people who called this week saying, are we having church? Will you cancel church? Or Here's how it works. We've been doing this for 20-something years, and um, we've only missed church. I think two or three times because of a hurricane, way back in 2004, uh, Charlie came through. The next one that came through knocked it out on a Sunday. We had no power. Here's how it works. If we have power, we have church, unless there's a curfew and they're promising to lock you up if you're out and about, okay? We don't have a jail ministry. You don't want to start one for you. So unless the wind, sustained winds are over 45 miles an hour and the, and the firemen are saying, we're not coming to help you, uh, then don't get on Orange Boulevard. Or unless we lose complete power, um, we will always have church. Now, as it turns out, this is uh, no big deal for us inland. Some of, our, some of the people who are watching are out on the coast. We're praying for you today that it'll blow by and it won't cause any damage. Uh, wherever you're out. By the way, thank you for joining us online. Uh, There's a contingent out back. It's never been better to be out back, although it's a little wet uh, every now and then, but it's nice and cool out there. We've installed fans. Uh, We did not have to run the cooling misters. Um, It's wet enough, as you can imagine. And for those of you who are got your feet propped up in your bedroom, or maybe you're watching from your car, um, or maybe you're in your living room, we want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us um, as well. I can't believe it's August already. Praise God for that. The sooner we get done with this year, the better, right? Uh, um, We did start a brand new series four weeks ago. If you've got your program, there's an outline uh, inside. I'll draw your attention to that. And if you're watching online, hopefully you've downloaded that, printed it off so you can take some notes, or perhaps you're going to if you download it to your device, to your um, iPad or your iPhone or your Android device, uh, you can kind of fill in with a stylus or even your finger or, or text in, uh, type in the, uh, the answers to the blanks that we'll be looking at. But before we get started, I've asked two of our ladies, Sarah and, and Holly, are going to kick us off by reading the scripture today, if you'll draw your attention to the side screens.
1: Hey, Seminole family, we're so happy to be here with you today. Hi, I'm Holly let and this is Sarah Mole. We're known as the ReFit Ladies around Seminole Community Church. We've been hosting fitness classes here for about two and a half years. I found the church through some family friends about three years ago, and we've been so happy to be here. Sarah, how'd you find it? Well, I was fortunate to have Sophie and Wade Brashears in my class. I'm a fifth grade teacher at Wilson Elementary. And when we moved over to this area, I reached out to the family and I said, don't you guys have a church that you love? And they said, yes. And I've been here ever since. Hey, Sarah, have you heard lately that we should be reading our Bibles? We should read our Bibles. Have have (laughs) we told you lately that you should read your Bible? So Sarah's going to read from us today from James, first chapter, verses 12 through 18. All right. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Hey, Seminole family, we love you and we're praying for you.
0: Great job, ladies. They were in the first service. So they told me I could claim credit for refit workout time for that whole time there. I don't know about you. You know, when you have a fifth grade teacher read God's word, it kind of like is intimidating, right? Nobody's going to want to follow Sarah's energetic reading. Um, So thank you, ladies. And um, if you've got your outline, we started this series four weeks ago. And I told you a little bit about the book of James. I told you it's a letter that's written to people who were under intense pressure and stress, which is why I felt like this could speak to us as we're going through this whole coronavirus mess in 2020. The crisis that these people who received James' letter were experiencing was not a global pandemic. It was actually a global persecution by the Roman Empire. The bottom line is that everybody's life was turned upside down can we relate and in this book of James James deals with 14 or more implications of what do you do when your whole life is turned upside down and is a wreck and he teaches us how God wants us to live when we're under severe stress or we're going through times of great change which of course we are this is our fourth week in the faith works series listen If you've missed a few of these, and you find yourself right now dealing with anxiety, you need to go online. All the episodes are archived. Go online to week one, because that's where we talked about how to deal with anxiety. If you're having a difficult time understanding, why is this happening? Why are we going through all of this? Go online, go to message number two, the second message of this series talks about how to deal with the question why. If you have some decisions to make last week, this is what we looked at in episode number three. If you have difficult decisions to make, maybe you're out of work, maybe you've got a career decision, you know, you're, you're at work, but your company seems to be the Titanic and going down. Maybe it's something where you've got your kids at home and you're still trying to decide, you know, wh- whether they should go to school or stay home or do the, the virtual school or the connect. By the way, if you don't make a decision, I've been told other people will make a decision for you. Yeah. So those of you who are like still in the undecided camp, I think your kids are going to face-to-face school apparently. Um, so they're preparing for them as, at any rate. So if you've got your outline, we're going to talk about this week something totally different. One of the things that happens when we're under stress is we start looking for coping strategies to ease our anxiety. We know this. We rely on our old past patterns, and some of those patterns aren't very good when we're trying to ease our anxiety. Unfortunately, what we've learned is some of those things make things worse, don't they? And James has a lot to say about this, a lot to say about the distractions and the disturbances and the temptations that we go through in life. He gives us wise advice on how to not be tempted, with our typical self-defeating behaviors, the typical things that we do to cope with our bad habits, maybe to self-soothe ourselves when we're anxious or we're fearful or we're worried. And that's what we're going through as a society, as a church, as a family, and as individuals. So today we're going to look at how to win over those temptations. And it's going to be a very practical message. One of the things I love about James is he's probably, this is probably the, one of the most practical books in the whole Bible, certainly most practical in the New Testament. James has a lot to say about temptation. Let me read. By the way, the verses are going to be on the side screens. Uh, they'll also be on the bottom of the screen as you're watching along. But if you've got a Bible and you want to, and you want to follow along in James chapter 1, James one thirteen to 13-16, it says, And remember... When you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our desires, our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. In other words, he's saying this is a dead end street. Once you go down this path of temptation, he says, friends, don't don't deceive yourselves. Don't be deceived by every desire that you feel. Now, there's a lot of material that James teaches about temptation in this passage. But I want to point out first that God has not left us powerless To deal with the things that tend to drive us back into those bad habits. Tend to distract us when we're under stress. I want to look at what God has to say about man's oldest problem. This problem goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. When Eve was tempted and then Adam was tempted. We all eventually face temptation. Sometimes you know what's right to do. But it's so hard to do it. It's so hard to say no to the wrong thing and do the right thing. The Bible talks about two different kinds of testing. One is called trials. One is called temptation. And both of them used are are derived from the same Greek word, parasmus. Sometimes it's translated trials. Sometimes it's translated temptations. Well, what's the difference? Well, usually it doesn't matter. Because sometimes a situation can be both a trial and a temptation. But to distinguish them, trials are situations designed by God to help us grow. Temptations are opportunities or situations designed by the devil in order to cause us to sin. In James 1.12, one of the verses that Sarah read, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So there is a prize. There is a reward for enduring temptation. I want you to circle in that verse the first two words. It says God blesses. One of the ways blesses, the word blesses is translated, is happiness. Happy. God gets happiness. Happy are those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Happiness comes from having our life under control so that there's no bad habit, no hang-up that keeps driving us back to our old patterns of behavior. When we know to say that we need to say no to a temptation, when we're able to overcome the temptation and say, no way, not going to do it this time, the Bible says James is saying that brings happiness into our life, and he calls it the crown of life, literally The word there means life itself. James says when you understand temptation, and he's going to teach us in two verses the four steps of temptation. He says when you understand temptation and when you're able to overcome it, when you're able to say no to the temptation, that's when you begin to really live. That's when you have the abundant life, life itself. So the question we ask is how? How do we handle temptation? How do we say no when we need to say no and say yes to God's plan instead? Now, James is a very practical teacher, practical leader. So he gives us five principles within this little passage of chapter 1. Five principles to help us overcome temptation. If you've got your pen and you've got your outline, I'd like you to fill some of these words in. If you're following at home, you're going to want to jot these down. The first thing I've got to do to win over temptation is I've got to be realistic. Will you fill that in? I need to be realistic. I've got to face the fact that we will be tempted. I will be tempted. You will be tempted. Christians, even Christians, face temptation. All of us are tempted. It says when you are tempted. Not if. You're tempted. It's just like trials and problems. They are inevitable. So are temptations inevitable. Have you ever met one of those pious religious church lady types who say, You know, I just thank God I've never been tempted in 42 years. (laughs) Yeah, right. You were tempted just a minute ago to lie and apparently you gave in. You're tempted right now for pride and apparently you live there. You know, everybody's tempted. You're tempted, I'm tempted, everybody's tempted. You never get too old for it. You certainly never get so spiritually mature that you're never tempted. Everybody's tempted. The more you grow in the Lord, the more you're going to be tempted. It's a fact of life. Reality is, we are all tempted. All of us, everyone in this room, everybody listening, everybody on the planet. There's a misconception out there in some religious circles that are like, well, once you're born again, then you've got it all together, you don't ever sin. And of course that's not true. So what it does is it produces a whole lot of people who pretend they never sin. They fake it instead of being real. They wear I mean they they've been wearing masks for years, not just since this virus. You know, they wear the happy, the Jesus loves me, I don't do anything wrong, mask. And James is saying, that's just not true. In fact, when people say, how can anybody be like that? We're like, right back at you, buddy. Because we're all tempted. 1 Corinthians ten, thirteen. You don't have to take my word for this. Look what it says. The temptations, the Apostle Paul writes, the temptations in our life are no different than what others experience. Circle no different. Circle others experience and draw a line between those. You know, maybe draw it above, so a frowny face instead of a smiley face. It means we're all in the same boat. We all have the same temptations. We all have the same problems. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't try to hide it. We know you're faking. Some of you are caught in some compromising situations right now. It's liberating to know you're not the only one. There are other people in the same boat dealing with the same temptations, probably in this very room. People going through the same thing you're going through and feeling the same way you're feeling. We all have the same struggles and the same problems, and it's not a sin to be tempted. I'm going to say that over and over again. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to the temptation. And we're going to draw a clear line. Where that line is, where the the fog. Well, what's the difference between being tempted and giving in to the temptation? I'm glad you're here for that because James is very clear. But it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. Hebrews 4:15, by the way, says that Jesus. Even understands every weakness of ours. Because Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Jesus was perfect. He was tempted, but he never gave in. Which proves to us that it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. I'll keep saying that. I meet a lot of Christians who are intimidated by temptation. They're shocked. At some of the thoughts that pop into their head. Like how in the world. Did I have such a thought. Maybe I'm not a Christian. If I could possibly have that kind of a thought. Tempting that. Listen. That's just the devil that put that in your mind. It's not your fault. You're not evil. You're human. In fact. Tempting thoughts. That are put into our mind. Are proof. That we're human. You're not evil. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. And the more committed you are to following Christ, the more you're actually going to end up being tempted. So the first thing I've got to do, I've got to be realistic. The second thing I need to do is I need to be responsible. If I'm going to overcome temptation in this COVID environment or in any environment in life, I've got to be responsible. Accept responsibility. That means I don't blame others for my problems. Let me say that again. That means I don't blame anyone else. I don't blame people. I certainly don't blame God. He says in verse 13, And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He has never tempts anyone else. God does not tempt, but we love to blame others. We're in a society of irresponsibility and blame. We blame society. We blame culture. We blame government. Oh, do we blame government. We blame the environment. We blame hereditary. We blame our parents. You blame your spouse. You blame the devil. You blame the, your boss. You blame your company. You blame... You even blame God. Some people say, Well, it must be God. God must... God's will or he wouldn't have let it happen. That's called blaming God. Often... We make a decision, and then it's a bad one, it's a sinful one, and we're like, well, it must be God's will, you know. I had a guy tell me one time, God told me to leave my wife and go marry this girl I met at the church. That's called blaming God. Don't make your bad choices. I think God's telling me to do this thing, and then blame God. God doesn't tempt. God's will will never contradict his word so when you're reading your bible has sarah said lately that you should read your bible yeah if you're reading your bible and you're going along and you going well you know what i feel like i need to do this i think god's telling me to do such and such and you read in here it says whatever you do don't do such and such if you think god's telling you to do such and such and the bible clearly says don't do such and such guess who's wrong it's not God you're here, and that's the burrito you heard you ate last night, okay? That's your dumb idea. Just By the way, lots of people say these words, God told me, and fill in the blank, and I, I've been on this planet for 53 years. Most of the people that say God told me this haven't heard from God in years. That's just my opinion. And I promise you it's true when what they tell you that God told them to do doesn't line up with God's word. I know they haven't heard from him because they haven't been listening to Sarah say, read your Bible. Every now and then, more and more and more. The fact is, most of our lives, most of the problems in our lives, we bring on ourselves. We don't need anybody else to mess up our lives. We're perfectly capable of messing them up ourselves. With the bad decisions that we make, because we didn't listen to part three of this series that tells you how to make decisions, we just go by our gut, which is often wrong. We just go by our feelings, like we talked about, which is often wrong. And we bring these problems on ourselves. Listen, if we are ever going to break the bad habits, if we're ever going to get over the hang-ups that we have, we've got to be responsible. Take responsibility and stop blaming God and don't blame other people. That is a sign of immaturity when we do that. That's all of us. The fact is, we're all that way. All right, so I've got to be realistic. Yep, I'm tempted. And number two, I've got to be responsible. I take responsibility. Number three, I need to be ready. I need to be ready. Temptation is not new. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. So it's not like, Oh, I've never heard of being tempted before. I've never been to. I had no idea. Are you sure? Yeah. This is the state of humanity all the time. we got to get ready for this because, folks, you're going to be tempted today. You're going to be tempted before you get home. You may be being tempted right now. I need to be ready. Now, the Bible tells us to be ready. And when I say the Bible, let me just be real specific Peter says, be on your guard. Jesus says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Peter, Jesus, Paul, James. The whole counsel of scripture is you are going to be tempted. You better get ready, James 1.14. Temptation comes from our desires, which, inten- which entice us and drag us away. Verse 16. So don't be misled. My dear brothers and sisters, circle the word misled. We need to be, mis- to be ready and prepared for temptation or we will be misled. Temptation doesn't warn you in advance. One of the reasons why we experience temptation, and one of the reasons why it is a temptation, is because you don't even know what's there. It catches you by surprise. You've got to be ready. You've got to be on your guard The Bible says, We are most vulnerable for temptation right after we have a tremendous success or a spiritual victory. So you get to the top of the mountaintop, you go, Yeah, we did it. Yes, we passed the test. Yes, we. Whenever you're at that spiritual high moment, that's when you're most vulnerable for the trap, the scheme, the plan of the devil. We think we're doing okay. James said, No, no, no. Be ready. Or you're going to be deceived. Well, how do you prepare for temptation? How do you get ready for it? Well, you have to understand how temptation works. How the devil operates. 2 Corinthians 2.11 from the NIV. In order that Satan might not, not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. God wants you to know how the devil operates. How he tempts. And the only good thing you can say about how the devil works is he's consistent. He uses the same tried and true pattern, the same tried and true method. Why would he change his game plan? It works. His playbook works. He's been using it for more than 2,000 years. This temptation, this process of temptation. It's never a one-time thing. It's over and over and over again, and we fall for it every, every, every time. James, in two verses, outlines the four steps the devil uses on how temptation works. The first word I want you to write down is the word desire. Desire. James 1.14, part A, says temptation comes from our own desires. You can circle that if you want or just write it down. Desire. The first step of temptation is desire. It's an inside job. Now most desires are okay. God has given us our desires. We couldn't live without these desires that are good and okay. The desire to eat. The desire to drink. The desire to sleep. The sexual desire. The desire to accomplish. God gives us those desires. Those desires are good desires. Good gifts from God. But any desire out of control becomes destructive in our life. Satan loves to take our routine desires and turn them into runaway desires. We're consumed by it. We're obsessed by it. We're out of control with food, work, having fun, sex, money. Legitimate desires, but when they get out of control, they become a problem in our lives. If it wasn't for the inward desire, we wouldn't be tempted. It starts on the inside, it's the fulfillment of a legitimate desire. In other words, if it wasn't desirable, we wouldn't be interested. Very hard for the devil to tempt me with Brussels sprouts. Like, yeah, I don't want Brussels sprouts, you know. So why would you use that to trust to tempt me? Donuts are another thing. It always starts with desire. Second thing I want you to write down, deception. James 14, 14, the second half, B, which entices us and drags us away. Now, James uses two terms here from the sports world. All the men woke up and paid attention. He said sports. You know, we haven't had any sports in forever, so tune in. The word dragged away is a hunting term. It's a hunting term that literally means snared in a trap. The word enticed is a fisherman's term, which means to lure by bait. Lured by bait. So the secret of great fishing is the bait. You've got to use the right kind of bait for the right kind of fish. You've got to know your fish. And know what bait they like. That's how you catch the fish. How many fish do you catch with an empty hook? Just really dumb fish. Right? There's a few of those around. Right? They get those, you know. No, you've got to put bait on it. And it's got to be the kind of bait that that particular fish likes to bite into. So let's, let me ask you a question. What kind of bait does the devil use to catch What kind of bait does he use when he's fishing for you? You see, he knows your hot button. He knows your weakness. He knows you inside and out. And he knows what turns you on. He knows what you're going to fall for. And he hides that hook into the right bait that appeals to your weakness. And the crazy thing is often we even see the hook. We're like, oh, I know this is a hook. I know the devil's trying to get me, but I'm just going to nibble around the edge. And many of us are nibbling on temptations, on bait that the devil has put around us. We're nibbling, nibbling, nibbling. And we say, because people say this all the time to me, oh, come on, Pastor Jerry. back off, back off. I, I, I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm an adult. You know, I, I'm not going to get hurt. I know how far to go. This is what they say all the time. I can quit any time I want. You know. And then they're hooked. That person is deceived. They've gone to step two. They've gone from desire to deception. It always starts with desire and then Satan, he moves us to deception. Oh, it won't hurt me. I'll get myself out of this. Temptation. By the way, temptation always looks better than it really is. That bait really looks good. Desire turns to deception. Deception turns to disobedience. That's the third thing. Second verse, James 1, 14 and 15 is where he gives us these four things. 15a, the desires give birth to sinful actions. Disobedience. What begins in our mind results in an action. It starts in our imagination. The battle always starts in our mind with our thoughts, and it moves from our thoughts into actions. First, the devil gets our attention. Woo, look at that lure! You know, he, he's got our attention, and he knows if he can get our attention, then we have the attitude, "I'm interested." And then he gets us to commit the action. He knows if we if he can get our attention, eventually, we'll commit the action. People say, "Well, what's?" What's the danger and harmless fantasy well it starts in your mind but it it develops into your lifestyle it always begins in the, in your imagination what we flirt with we will fall for some of you should tweet that what we flirt with we will fall for that's the whole purpose behind television advertising when you think about it they try to get you to imagine yourself in that nice fancy new car, they try to get you to imagine yourself on that nice vacation, especially right now. Some people have vacations booked for the next ten years. You know, have had one in ten weeks. So it's like, I got another vacation. Oh, I can fit you in in twenty twenty six. You know, and there's nothing sinful about a vacation. There's nothing sinful about a new car. It's just effective. They get you to picture yourself in that car. Picture yourself on that vacation, and they know if they get you to think about it, think about it, think about it, eventually it comes out in your lifestyle. Desire leads to deception. Deception leads to disobedience, and disobedience leads to death. That's the fourth step in the process of Satan's temptation. This is all found in James 1, 14 and 15. First half of 14, first half, the second half of 14, 15a, now this is 15b. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth To death, birth, to death. What an oxymoron. That's a, what a sentence. Tragic consequence of our giving in. This is what losing the battle looks like. We die a little bit inside. Devastating result. What is death? Death is the opposite of living. If we overcome temptation, we get the crown of life. We get the abundant life. But the wages of sin is death. That spiritual separation from God. James says we're free to choose any way we want to live. Did you know that you're free to choose any way you want to live? God has given you the freedom of choice. Some people think God is controlling. Well, God is so controlling. I'd never want to be a Christian because God, then God would be so controlling over my life. Let me just tell you something. God doesn't control your life. Haven't you proven that yet? You want proof? Think about spring break. God, God didn't keep you from making all those dumb decisions. Well, think about your 20s. Think of all the mistakes you made. God never stops you from making dumb decisions. He allow. I mean, my whole, our whole lives are, are a testimony that God doesn't stop us. He gives us plenty of rope to wreck our life if we choose to use it that way. It's the freedom of choice. We can choose to live any way we want. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing you got to understand. You can choose any choice you want. You just can't choose the consequences of that choice. Oh, you can, I can choose whatever I want. I'm just not allowed to choose the consequences. I can have all the kicks I want. Just don't get to avoid the kickbacks. I'm not free to choose the consequences. In order to overcome temptation, in order to break the habit, in order to get over the hang-ups, I've got to first be realistic, admit I have a problem. Then I've got to be responsible. Stop blaming everybody else for my problem. Then i got to get ready and understand how temptation works. And then all of a sudden, James is going along saying temptation leads all the way to to death, desire to death. And then in verse 17, it's like he does a hard 90, and he totally changes directions. And it's almost as if he forgets what he was writing about. And you're like, he's on this negative thing. He's, he's talking about this temptation. It leads to death. Then, boom, he goes in a whole other direction. And look what it says. In verse 17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. James is talking about temptation. All of a sudden, he redirects our thoughts to the goodness of God. First, he's talking about some of the negative. Then he jumps over here to something positive. He is refocusing our attention on something else. Why does he do that? Well, because that is actually the next step in overcoming temptation. I've got to be realistic. I've got to be responsible. I've got to be ready. And then the, the next one is I've got to be refocused. I need to refocus my attention. Temptation begins with our inner thoughts then changing temptation or changing our thoughts is what lets us get over the, the key to overcoming the temptation. This is the principle of replacement. The key to overcoming temptation is not to fight the temptation. I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to be tempted. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. The key is not fighting the temptation. The key is simply refocusing our thought process. We have to change our attention turn our attention shift our thoughts change our mind instead of looking at what we're being tempted by we look somewhere else we refocus our lives what will we refocus our thoughts on well philippians 4:8 says to fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise so we focus our thoughts, our minds, on the goodness of God. Why? Because the more you fight a feeling, the more you fight a temptation. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to. It grabs hold of you. The grip gets stronger. We become what we focus on. And if you focus on that temptation, don't, it's, like the, it's like the bug flying into light. Don't look at the light. Don't look at the light. Don't look at the light. Zap. Right. Get your eyes off the negative and get your eyes on the goodness of God. In other words, if you're a chronic worrier, this has been a tough year for chronic worriers. You know, I, I, I can worry about anything. There's, the, the problem for the chronic worrier right now is indecision. I don't know what I'm going to worry about. You know, there's too much to worry about. You know, I'm worried I won't worry about the right thing to worry about. Right. Listen, if if you're chronically worrying about stuff, it's because you're kind of doubting the goodness of God in your life. So whatever gets our attention, all those things we're worried about, whatever we resist persists. So stop fighting it and just refocus. It's kind of like, I know some people, we had, does anybody even remember January? Remember the resolutions you had in January? Like, no, don't even remember. Some people have decided, you know what? it's the middle of the year, it's August 1st, I'm going to redo my resolutions. Maybe you did that today. Maybe, maybe Saturday, it's August 1st, you decided, all right, no more donuts from me, okay? I can tell you this. If, you're gonna, if your resolution is no more donuts, going out to the donut table and going, I'm not going to eat a donut, I'm not going to eat a donut, I'm not going to eat a donut, I'm not going to eat a chocolate, blueberry, raspberry, donut. I'm not going to eat a donut. You, you will consume multiple donuts, Okay? Whenever I would make that resolution, you know, usually it's on odd years. Um, I would choose every other year to say, I'm not going to eat donuts anymore. I would bring a banana with me. And people would be like, banana? I'm like, yeah, this isn't a banana. And they look at it, well, it's yellow. It's got a peel. It looks like a banana. I said, no, 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 it's not a banana. This is donut insurance. So when everybody's like, hey, they're all like chocolate dropping down their face, I, I grab my banana, eat my banana. you got to – You cannot resist donuts watching someone eat chocolate and cream donuts, okay? You resist donuts by substituting, taking your focus off of those things. Take it from someone who's eaten a lot of donuts. Don't try to argue with the devil. He's a lot better than we are at arguing. He's had thousands of years of experience so when temptation calls, I mean, when you look at the phone and it says, Satan, temptations are us, you know, don't even pick up the call. Treat him worse than those auto, what do what they call? Hey, we've been trying to read you about your auto uh, warranty. Treat him worse than that, you know. You don't take those calls, I'm blocked, right? Don't pay attention. So you may need to refocus. Maybe that means you've got to turn the channel. Maybe that need, means you need to block some of those sites. Maybe that means you, you need to get up and walk out of the movie. Or for some of you, you're, you know, you've been flirting with, the, you've been flirting, flirting, flirting. You might need to change jobs if the wrong person works at your place. Or you may need to change carpools and decide, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ride with anybody. Drive myself to work and uh, go ahead and download the Bible app, the U version Bible app, and listen to the Bible on your way. To work, If you're on I-4, that's a good idea anyway. You should be praying on I-4 the whole time. You know, we just talked about Joseph in the last series. And when he was tempted with Potiphar's wife, he left his coat and ran away without his coat. If you need to leave your coat, leave your coat and walk out. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, my experience has been bad company corrupts good character, and eventually that good character becomes the bad company that corrupts someone else's good character. So know your weaknesses. You get to know your weaknesses. God knows your weaknesses, and maybe you need to redirect it. All right, last one. I also need to be reborn. So James ends with really the beginning the most important thing, if you're going to overcome temptation, is you've got to be reborn. He says, God chose to give us birth. You can circle the word birth if you want. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all that he has created. Now, he's not talking about physical birth there. He's talking about being spiritually born, or a rebirth, starting over with God. The single most important aspect of breaking a bad habit, of breaking the hang-ups that you have, is you've, of, of breaking, the single most important part of getting control of your life is actually giving control of your life over to God. Being born again gives you a new capacity to resist temptation. It gives you a supernatural power. You can't do it on your own willpower. That's, what, that's what's made your life look like a really bad country song. It's been your willpower. You've got to get Christ's power within you. That means you've got to be reborn, a fresh start on life. Ask Jesus Christ into your life. Ask him to make the changes in you. Ask him to change your character. You need his power in your life. That's really the starting point. And then you'll have more than just your own power. So what, where are you most vulnerable this morning? What is, what is your weak spot? God knows your weak spot. The devil knows your weak spot. Maybe your spouse knows your weak spot. Do you know your your weak spot? Have you figured it out? If you haven't, you need to. Because that's where the devil is going to bait the hooks. You don't want to go swimming in a pond with a whole bunch of baited hooks in your very weak spot. It's stupid to put yourself in situations that will automatically tempt you in your weakest area. Where are you most vulnerable? Be realistic about this problem. Ask God, God, help me to figure this out. Where do I lack self control? Where am I tempted the most? Is it my temper? Is it my appetite? Is it my spending? Is it my mouth? James is going to talk a lot about our mouths. You know, am I talking all the time and I say things but I end up regretting later? Is it my words? Is it is it drinking? Is it drugs? Is cocaine my my weak spot? Is it lustful thoughts? Is it the internet? Where, What is the area that Satan knows my hot button is and he's always baiting me in that area? Figure it out and admit it and say, God, I know the areas that I've fallen. I know the areas that I've stumbled. I want a clean slate. I want to start over. I want you in my life. Get free from the past. Get forgiven. Forgiveness is offered. God will forgive you. It's available. Salvation is the first step to victory over temptation. So ask Christ. First Corinthians 10, 13. It says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure it. What a great promise. God will never put more on you. He'll never allow more on you than he puts in you to bear it up. You say, well, I just couldn't help myself. Want to bet? You say, well, it was just too strong of a temptation. I just couldn't. There was just no way for me to get away from it. I just couldn't help myself. God says, that's not true. I, I If you depend on me, God says, if you trust me, God says, I will give you a way out. The fact is there's, there's a there is hope, and you can change if you want to if you want if you let Christ in your life and let him change you from the inside, he will renew your mind that 's why we 're supposed to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation you 've got to cooperate with him though. Some of you are flirting with many temptations on many levels. God's bringing them to mind right now. Satan is baiting the trap for you. What is it that you want so badly in life that you're willing to sacrifice your integrity? You're willing to sacrifice everything you've worked for. A promotion, a thrill, confess it to God. You see, the time to deal with temptation is way back in the des- when it goes from desire to deception. When that thought first pops in, it's not a sin to think the thought, but it's a sin to dwell on the thought. Martin Luther, who 500 years ago started the Reformation of the church, he's famous for saying, We cannot keep the birds from flying over us, but we can keep them from making a nest in our hair. You cannot live in a tenta- temptation-free world, It's going to always be around you. Sin is always around you. But it's not a sin to be tempted. Don't be intimidated by that. It is a sin to start dwelling on it, to start thinking about it, certainly to start flirting with it and fantasizing with it. Eventually, that's going to take root and come out in your life. You're going to cross over to disobedience. All right, two resources that I want you to fill in, two things I want you to jot down, they'll be on the side screen in order to fight temptation. Number one, I need fellowship with other Christians if I'm going to overcome temptation. You're not going to make it on your own. You're not going to make it with your own strength. Just look at your life. Look at all the times you were on your own. In fact, that's the devil's strategy, is to isolate us so that we will give it to temptation. He looks at the herd, and he says, who's the weak antelope in the herd? Oh, that's the weak one. Let's isolate him, and we'll devour that person. And here's the problem with this particular virus that we're going through. We're completely isolated, aren't we? That's part of his strategy. So I need more other Christians in my life. Get involved in a Bible study. We're going to be starting Bible studies again right after, September, right after Labor Day. You say, Labor Day, that's so far away. It's four weeks, folks. You need to decide now. I'm going to start making times on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night and get involved in a Bible study. you got to get involved in a small group. We've talked about this. Get involved in a small group. Find a place. Now we're going to do three kinds of small groups. They're going to start after Labor Day too, so it's only four weeks. You should be deciding now. Am I going to do a face-to-face small group? Am I going to do a Zoom group? Small group, that's going to be all online. Or am I going to do a hybrid small group? Hybrid small group is with like six people face-to-face and another four to six people Zooming in. I know that's clunky. I know that's like, oh, you're weird. You're the one on the TV. I get it. you got to decide which is best for you. Look, Zoom, Zoom by itself is clunky. You, you know, nobody wants to Zoom, Zoom. We want this thing to be over so that we can hug each other, so that we can be close again. The temptations that we all face, we need to support each other. Then finally, I need time in God's Word. I need time in God's Word. The Bible is our secret weapon against temptation. In fact, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus, when he was tempted, he quoted the Bible to resist temptation. He quoted Three times he quoted the Bible from Deuteronomy. When's the last time you read Deuteronomy? What's that good for? Well, apparently it's good for dealing with temptation. That's what our Savior used when he was tempted. Fill your mind with this book. Refocus back onto God's Word. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Fill your life with the Bible. Get your eyes on God's Word and get your eyes off of whatever you're flirting with whatever the bait is that's in front of you. Because Satan's going to attack. He's going to attack before we even leave. What is the payoff? James gives us the payoff in James 1, verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to take a minute or two to pray. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you can pray with me. If you're watching online, I invite you to bow your head where you're at. Or if you're out in the pavilion, just bow your head, close your eyes. And you can, you know, I always tell the kids, And close your mouths, you know. Um, and and let's, uh, let's pray. You don't have to say these prayers out loud. You can just think them in your, in your mind, and God will, will hear your thoughts. Maybe you're struggling in an area that's bothered you for years. What's your weakness? What's your hot button? Where does Satan bait you? Why don't you just pray and say, Lord, you know, you know what my weakness is. Tell them what it is. I've got a tendency to fill in the blank, to exaggerate, to be double-minded, to, to not stand up for what I know is right, to be wishy-washy, to always worry about what other people think. I've got a tendency to be sarcastic or to say hurtful things to my wife or my husband or insensitive I'm insensitive to the needs of my spouse. Or maybe I tend to be selfish. Don't we all? There's something in my life that's out of control. What is your prayer? Tell him. My time is out of control, Lord, Or my, my spending's out of control. Or my weight, my exercise is out of control. I just, I just keep falling in this area. It's the same area over and over. And I feel so bad about it. Just confess that to him. Right where you're at. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He's not going to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wipe the slate clean. He wants you to start over today. That's why he's brought you here. Say, God, I want to be realistic about this. I've got a problem in my life. I drink too much. I whatever too much. Admit it to him. God, I too much. And then accept responsibility. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame your boss or anybody else. Accept. Admit that there's a weakness there. There would be no outside temptation if it wasn't an inward drive that matches it. So this is, I've got this problem, Lord. And then be ready. Lord, help me to study your word. Make that your prayer. God, help me to study your word so that I'll know how the devil tries to get me. Help me to recognize those areas of weakness and to avoid them. And, Father, help me to refocus on you, to fill my mind with the things that are good, the true things, the right things, Not to resist my feelings, but to replace them with what you have to say. Most of all, if you're here or you're watching and you've never opened your heart up to the Lord, do it this morning. Say, Jesus Christ, I want to be reborn. Just pray that. Jesus Christ, I want to be reborn. I want a fresh start in life. Would you forgive all the sins that I've ever committed and help me to start over today? And he will. That's why he died on the cross for you. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life and be the manager and the controller of my life. And he will. That's what Lord means, manager and controller. Lord, you promise to make a way out of these temptations. Pray that. Lord, you promise to make a way out of these temptations, so give me your strength. And then some of you need to go and break off a bad relationship. Some of you are flirting in all the wrong areas. Say, Lord, help me to quit compromising. Help me to do what's right. And he will help you if you come to him with an open and sincere your heart and say, God, you know all about me. I can't fool you. Help me to have victory over this temptation. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for those today who are praying this prayer, especially those who are opening their hearts up to you for the very first time, saying that they want you in their lives. Help us as a church, as seminal church, to help them to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.